Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. I am in a weird, wintry wonderland this morning. Absolutely everything in my surrounding area is covered in a sheet of ice. So I'm not looking forward to going outside my front door today. That's going to be a whole treacherous adventure, but it is sparkling and that's the upside. So that's fun. I was thinking a lot about memory and like how these memories are coming to me now that I am not furnished with journals for this section that I'm working on and how I am finding these stories because they're just popping into my head. And it's an interesting thing, this memory muscle, once I started flexing it, it grew stronger. You know, when I wasn't demanding anything of it, when it was passive and memories were just kind of like, oh, that's fun, I remembered that thing. Now I'm actually asking it to work. So it's like quadriceps that haven't climbed mountains. <laughs> I'm really finding that it's getting stronger and things that I had long ago forgotten, memories that were shelved have dropped into my consciousness. Unbidden and delightful. I love that word, don't I? I use it a lot, delightful. Delightful, of the light, full of light. <laughs> of course, sometimes the memories don't come exactly at the right time, which I guess for this narrative means in sequence, but no matter, life is a tangled web, as they say, but you know, we're not always in deceit. Our path crosses over itself and doubles back and this life is not linear. It's not a progression. Maria Montessori said it was a spiral in a cone shape. So we circle around and we arrive again at the same problem or the same question, only we are at a higher level of learning or higher level of intellect of knowing. So we can hopefully apply that additional awareness to the problem and solve it this time or not. And if not, we'll see it again. This is why I think that monogamy is so difficult because it depends on two people arriving again and again at various giant roadblocks in their shared life and still finding the solutions together. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's why it's a difficult proposition for me and why I think it doesn't always work. Well, we have proof that it doesn't always work. 
55% or something like that. Some staggering figure. Yikes. In any case, I'm still all figuring it all out. And that's a funny idea too, because I don't think we'll ever figure it all out. As amazing as the human brain is, even the big thinkers tend to specialize. Trying to figure everything out is too much. It's vastly overwhelming. So maybe one brain figures out how to communicate across tiny wires, but is maybe a complete nigampoop in a vegetable garden. Maybe another brain might be a genius at exploring the ins and outs of the human psyche, but couldn't possibly fathom how to change a tire. We can't have it all. And it's okay. Each of us has our own role to play in this big miasma. Yikes. Where was I going with this? <laughs> um, I will come back to the giant quandary of monogamy again and again, but where I started today was memory. Memory. I think that in order to find all the pieces, I do have to travel over bits of road that I've been on before. Old movies help sometimes. The other night I watched Frankie and Johnny with Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer. I had completely forgotten about that movie, but I think it came out around the time that I knew Al. Actually, Author Author was the one that came out right after I worked for him. But that is a Pacino movie that no one remembers and that has slipped away into the catalog of work that he doesn't want to be remembered for. Like his, like his brief stint at playing Mark Antony at the public theater. <laughs> that was not so successful. Dang, I just went to look that up and I saw that Al will be playing Lear on film. It starts shooting this year. That's awesome. For a guy who has loved Shakespeare all his life, to finally get to play that role is a perfect culmination. That's actually exactly what I was talking about earlier. That spiral where one arrives at the same big issue again and again. Al's Shakespeare career is kind of a perfect example. Any dedicated lifelong Shakespearean actually. Because he starts out looking for Richard, quote unquote. That was an early movie of his where he documented his approach to the character of Richard III. And then maybe you think you're ready for friends, Romans, and countrymen, but it turns out not quite. And finally, you feel ready to tackle the biggest, biggest challenge. Of course, it all depends on who your partners are at the time. Yes, I think the metaphor for filmmaking works perfectly for life. That teamwork aspect, parents, children, friends, co-workers, or supporting cast, director, cinematographer, makeup crew, all the parts that make up the whole picture. I am on an esoteric roll here, eh? Let me just brush these metaphorical sesame seeds off my butt and get back to my story. <laughs> Frankie and Johnny. In my memory, it was a cute rom-com, and that's how they sell it to you in the trailer. But I forgot how dark it is. Physical abuse and the sorrows of infertility. Anyway, it brought back a memory that I had forgotten about a summer job I had working as a waitress at the Orangeburg Diner. Don't look it up. It finally closed after many decades and was replaced with a slightly more upscale Italian restaurant. I think this was the summer after my senior year in high school, maybe? It was owned by a Greek family, of course. And why is that? And I'm not going to explore that now. Anyway, I loved the other girls I worked with right away. They were welcoming and sweet. I was the hostess and I would seat people because there was some pretense at making the place feel more fancy. But I also helped them set up in the mornings. And I remember one morning we must have been very giddy from lack of sleep somehow because one of the girls dumped a bunch of sugar out on the floor and we all did a little Broadway soft shoe number. 
so silly. We had regular customers and one of them was an older man, maybe 40, older than me, who was 18. And he developed a big crush on me. And that was not okay. And it made me feel very uncomfortable. So me and another waitress, this adorable little brunette whose name I have forgotten, but I'm gonna call her Betty, okay? We did something like the team number that Michelle Pfeiffer and Kate Nelligan do in the film. You pour, I'll bump. <laughs> I went to refill his water glass and she bumped my arm so that we dumped ice water onto his crotch. We were delighted with our antics and I think he decided that I was a bumblehead after all and he left me alone, just fine by me. Our other regulars were the Army Reserve guys from a barracks that was down the road. They'd come in for their lunch in their uniforms and we twittered about them in the back because men in uniform, I don't know, it's a thing. There was this one guy named Jeff who was a powerhouse of muscle but also seemed really sweet and he had a kind, soft, rich voice, even a gentle sprinkle of Bronx accent thrown in there for extra fun and the combo was irresistible. Betty was besotted with him but ultimately it was me that he asked out on a date and I snapped up that offer with only a twinge of guilt knowing that Betty would be jealous but she'd also live vicariously through me so it was okay. Somebody had to do it. He said he'd pick me up and that we could go anywhere so he came to my house and I decided to take him to this local restaurant that claims to be the oldest tavern in the country or maybe the state. I'm not sure. It's called the 1776 house and it was the place where they held Major Andre before parading him about a mile down the road to Andre Hill where he was hanged. This area of New York is full of Revolutionary War history as you might imagine. In any case, I thought that would provide us with conversation starters, at least. The restaurant used to have a little room that they had set up as a museum display with a mannequin of Andre placed as though he was sitting in a prison room. We always loved going to look at it when we were kids and my grandmother brought us there for dinner. You see, I had forgotten how many bits of my life were woven into this same memory from our own history as a country right up through my childhood to that moment. Jeff was a lovely fellow, handsome and sweet and a perfect gentleman, but I think that was our only date. When he took off his jacket, there was a new wound with stitches on his forearm and a matching one on the underside. And it turned out that his job during the week was being a cop in the Bronx and that a few days before, some cornered perp had stuck a knife through his arm. No big deal, but I think it scared me. It was too much reality for me. I couldn't, you know, I would always like project ahead, like what will this relationship be like? And I couldn't picture myself as the one waiting for him to come home every day and not knowing if each time he left me might be the last time I'd see him. It was too much. So I wasn't brave enough to date him anymore, even though he was adorable. That whole memory came at me in the middle of the movie and I'm grateful because, you know, I'd forgotten about it completely. So again, follow your impulses. You never know what you might need to be reminded of or what lovely little encapsulated picture is hiding around a corner. I'm glad for that memory and for that place. I'm really glad that I had to work as a teenager so that I had jobs in the service industry. It is an excellent education, if nothing else, in empathy. 
It teaches you to really see the people who do those jobs that we all too often take for granted. I always made my kids look waitresses in the eye when they ordered their breakfast at the diner. See them. They are people with entire lives, and our lives are intersecting right at this moment. Look at them. They could be you. They could be me. So that's where I'll leave you today. That was just one little extra moment that needed to be fit in there. And we'll go back to Atlanta tomorrow. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.